Good morning. It's great to be with you this Lord's Day, celebrating Advent with you. It's really wonderful. Let's just remind ourselves of what Advent is all about. During Advent, we celebrate our Lord's first coming as we are awaiting our Lord's second coming to restore all things in his new creation. And so during Advent, here at Parkview, we're celebrating a series called The Nativity. And basically what it is, is we are taking, say there's a nativity here, if you have kids, maybe it's a Lego set nativity, or it's a wooden figurine nativity, or it's like a cloth nativity, or whatever it is. We're taking kind of each character from this nativity, and we're looking at the character, and we're asking, what can you tell us about this child. What's the good news about this child? So we're picking up Mary, the shepherds, and today we're looking at Joseph. Okay, we're picking up Joseph, or looking at Joseph and saying, Joseph, what can you tell us about this child? Why, why is this child Jesus good, good news for us here and now at Parkview Church? What's that? Oh, here we go. Perfect, thank you. Wow, that's really important. Thank you so much. Um, so we're looking at Matthew's birth, birth account. If you read through Luke's narrative, it focuses on Mary and you know, details about the shepherds and things like that. Matthew's account focuses on Joseph. We're looking at the first uh, story uh, in, uh, in Joseph's life that we know about, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Matthew 1, 18 to 25, if you want to turn there with me. The title of this sermon is called The Gospel According to Joseph. And here's the question that, in a sense, Joseph is asking us. As we follow Joseph in this narrative of Matthew 1, 18 to 25, Joseph is going to ask us a question. And and here's the question that Joseph is asking us, because this is the very thing that Joseph experiences in this story. Will we allow God's gospel plan to redirect our lives? Will we allow God's gospel plan, his plan to rescue people from sin through Jesus, this gospel plan of rescue, will we allow that plan to redirect our lives? That's the question that Joseph's going to be asking us through this text. So what's going to happen is I'm going to read this text, we're going to pray, and then we're going to explore it together. So hear now the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he was considering these things and making this plan, behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, and you shall call the name of this son Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He takes his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's holy word. It is true and good for us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this Advent season with great expectation. Like the church has always confessed throughout the ages, we believe in Jesus Christ, your holy son, our Lord. 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. This is a great mystery, and we adore you for it. So right now, Father, we are in a season of waiting. We wait the return of our great King Jesus, who will make everything new. As we wait, Father, we pray that you'd ask your Spirit to help us hear your word. Help us attend to your word with faith, receiving your promises, Lord, and responding accordingly. Help us walk with Joseph as he shines a spotlight on Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Give us eyes to see your big gospel plan. Lord, help us believe all that you teach, gladly obey all that you command, trust all that you promise, and love all that you love for the sake of Jesus, your Son. Amen. Amen. So what is your favorite Christmas movie? There you go. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, it's pretty good. Someone uh, at uh, Parkview Central said, Die Hard. And I didn't actually know that was a Christmas movie, but recently on iTunes, it's under the holiday movie. I didn't, didn't know that. Okay, so there you go, Die Hard. Anyways, but here, here are three, three movies that might be your favorite. You ready? The first, A Very Merry Mix-Up. This is the one about a woman who's engaged to her fiancé, but she ends up falling for her fiancé's brother. Ooh. Okay, is that anyone's favorite movie? No? Okay. How about this one? A Crown for Christmas. Is that anyone's favorite movie? It's the one about the hotel maid who becomes a princess through surprising circumstances. Is that anyone's, anyone's favorite movie? No. Okay. Well, this one probably is then, okay? Uh, the Christmas Ornament. You remember this one, right? Most everyone knows about this one. It's about the woman who falls in love with her cr- Christmas tree salesman. Is that anyone's favorite movie? No. You see, none of these are your favorite movies. You know why? Because these are Hallmark Christmas movies. That's why. And no one likes Hallmark Christmas movies, except a few of us. And if that's you, that's okay. We, we love you anyways, okay? See, we love, hate Hallmark Christmas movies. And I think it's because they follow a predictable plot, okay? Claire was recently uh, reading a blog, and the blog was basically saying there's a reason why in the midst of a chaotic culture that we live in, uh, it's something about Hallmark movies draws us because there's something very predictable, Kind of very something trustworthy about the plot of Hallmark Christmas movies. There, it's this. There's a random guy meets a random girl. Uh, they start building a romance, but then something seeks to destroy the romance. But then there's kind of that breakthrough moment where they overcome the obstacle. They fall in love, and there's happily ever after. So I just saved you 23 hours of Christmas movie watching. You are welcome. Now, no, none of those are my favorite movie. My favorite Christmas movie actually is A Christmas Carol. I love that one, the animated one with Jim Carrey. And the reason I love this story is because it follows a pattern that resonates deeply with us, sort of like the Hallmark Christmas movies. It's a different pattern, but it has this this pattern that deeply resonates with us. It's about an old, miserly, angry, greedy man named Scrooge, right? And Scrooge has initial direction. He has an initial direction of his life. He makes a plan, and his plan is this. I'm going to get more money, and he wants to see a decrease in the surplus population. That's his initial direction. That's the plan that he has. But then there's a revelation, okay? From initial direction to then this revelation, these three spirits of Christmas visit him on Christmas Eve, revealing a bigger and better plan, we might say, okay? Urging Scrooge to take a different path in his life. And so Scrooge wakes up, right, and he takes a new direction, a new direction based on this revelation. And so that's the, that's the flow of the movie. His initial direction and there's this revelation, and there's a new direction. And that actually is the, that's the story of Joseph in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And that's what we're going to follow 
uh, in this story. There's three scenes, and the flow of the scenes are these. There's initial direction that we make plans. We make plans in our lives, and oftentimes they're good plans. We have an initial direction. But then scene two, there's a divine revelation. God shows us his big gospel plan of rescue in Jesus. And then the third scene, there's a new direction. Our lives must take a new direction in light of God's rescue plan in Jesus. Initial direction, divine revelation, new direction. And here's the question. Will we allow God's gospel plan to redirect our lives? You see, like someone who arrives in new time zone, I lived and grew up in Phoenix, I would take flights to the Midwest, okay? And when I land in the Midwest, one of the things you have to do is to make sure what? That your, uh, your clock is, is the right time. It's adjust your clock to the right time zone, and that's what needs to happen. Will we adjust our lives according to God's God's time zone, his rescue plan in Jesus. Well, we have to explore the first scene to arrive at that answer. The initial direction, verse 18 to 19, plans are made. Look down at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. The origin of Jesus Christ, how how Jesus Christ came uh, to earth, happened in this way. His mother Mary's betrothed to Joseph. Okay, Now, betrothment in the first century, it was a stage between engagement and marriage. It was kind of like engagement on steroids. And what it was, it was a time that was legally binding on the couple. And the only way uh, to get out of the betrothment was through divorce. And divorce could only happen if your partner was sexually unfaithful to you. And so within a God-centered community, that's what uh, Mary and Joseph would have been living in, a Jewish community, a God-centered community, understanding that you are to be sexually faithful to the Lord and to your future spouse, In the midst of that context, look what happens in verse 18. Before they come together in marriage, Mary is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, if I remove those words, from the Holy Spirit, imagine with me this scene. Mary's not yet married, and she is pregnant, and she's pregnant in a religious community, and the child that she's pregnant with is not Joseph's. It's from the Holy Spirit. I mean, I guess you can use your imagination as you're reading scripture. What I imagine is Joseph comes, or Mary comes to Joseph one day and says, okay, Joseph, you didn't sit down on this one. Okay, I I have some news for you. I'm pregnant. It's from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're Joseph, you're thinking, yeah, right, that never happens. Okay, people do not become pregnant from the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, Mary? You, what you're assuming, okay, is that she has made this up as a cover-up for her sexual unfaithfulness. So Joseph faces a crisis. He's li- living in a small, God-centered community. And his future wife is pregnant with a child that is not his. And so Joseph does what any sensible person would do in this situation. He makes a plan. His life takes a direction. And what is that direction? Verse 19, her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, he resolves to divorce her quietly. New Year's resolutions, why do we make them? We make them for plans, right, to change ourselves in some way, physically or spiritually, right? That's what a resolution is. And here Joseph is making a resolution. He's making a plan. The plan is to divorce. In light of this crisis, this this pregnancy that Mary has, Joseph begins heading in a direction and he chooses a plan. And in many ways, it's a good plan. How do I know that? We'll look again at verse 19. Study this carefully. It's, the text says that he's a just man, not an evil or wicked man. He's a just man. He wants to live 
in honor to God, live faithfully before God, and maintain personal integrity before God, entering into a marriage that is blessed by the Lord in sexual faithfulness. And, and Mary, according to what Joseph can see in his own perception, has not been faithful. And so, at the same time, he's compassionate, right? He says that he is unwilling to put her to shame. He's unwilling to put her to shame in a community that would view Mary as someone who's been unfaithful. So he wants to be kind towards her. And so what does he do? He makes a plan. He resolves to divorce her. He makes this plan in light of what he can see, in light of his perception, an initial direction based on his human perception. That's what we do. Like Joseph, we make plans. Like Joseph, our lives take initial directions. Our lives are heading somewhere. We have plans for our kids, don't we? We want our kids to go to a good school, Faith Academy. And they want them to have good friends. We have plans for our careers, greater success. We have plans for retirement. We have plans for how our Christmas should look with our family. Whether or not our in-laws should come over uh, and celebrate with us. Or when they should come over. Or if we should have our neighbors or not. Or, or who should be at the Christmas feast. And We have plans. We make plans. We have plans for our weekends. Relaxation. Maybe some Netflix. Time alone. Quiet. Peace. We make plans, friends, and, and these are often good plans. Joseph made a plan. He made a plan based on what he could see. That's what we do. It's almost as if we're living this life here on this stage, and there's a curtain here, and Joseph has to make his choices. We have to make our choices, oftentimes not knowing what's happening behind the curtain, to make a, a, a choice, choose a path, live a certain direction in light of what we can see, in light of what we can perceive. That's how it works in our lives. But, but here, here's a question that God's going to ask us. In the midst of making our plans, in the midst of the directions our lives are taking, will we, will we allow our lives to be redirected according to God's big plan? When God, in a sense, open up, opens up the curtain... And we get a vision of who he is from Scripture, of what he's doing in history to rescue people from sin through Jesus. Will we allow that to redirect our lives? See, I'm terrible with directions, okay? This always happened. I've just never understood how to get from place A to place B. I'm just terrible with directions, okay? So I used to use this thing called Apple Maps. People use Apple Maps? Well, you shouldn't because here's what happens. Okay, you use Apple Maps and it sets you on a direction, Okay, it tells you you should go here. Okay, I remember distinctly one time I was driving down a road and Apple Maps, thanks to Siri, said take a left. I should have taken a right. Okay? So I went to the wrong place and looked at Apple Maps and realized, uh, typed it in, okay? and it was on the opposite side of the city. So I no longer use Apple Maps. You know what I use? Google Maps. Google Maps is much more trustworthy because it shows a better direction. It always gets you on time. Showing you the best path. And this is actually what's about to happen. See, this story is about the shift. This next scene, this scene of divine revelation, scene two, God, in a sense, is about to take away the Apple Maps of Joseph's life and give him Google Maps. Give him a better direction. Give him a better understanding of what's going on. Verse 20, look down with me. Scene two, divine revelation. God reveals his gospel rescue plan. But as he's considering these things, as Joseph is sitting there, wondering about Mary and her pregnancy and about the baby, and then he's making a plan to divorce. He's considering these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, 
And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What's happening in this scene? Well, we see that God reveals a bigger and better gospel plan to Joseph. In the midst of Joseph planning to divorce, in the midst of Joseph separating himself from the responsibility of this child, God reveals a bigger story, a better story. God pulls back the curtain to show what God is doing, what he is doing in history through this promised Jesus to rescue people from their sins. And it's going to redirect Joseph's life. Now, what is God's gospel plan? Well, look with me at verse 17. Okay, just above verse 18. Verse 17, Matthew, he summarizes God's big plan. Okay? And he does so in four names. Okay? He talks about the genealogy, okay, generation from Abraham to David to deportation and exile, right? And then to Christ. So Abraham, David, exile, Christ. Now, why is that important? It's really important, actually, because you can't understand what's happening here in this scene in the New Testament unless you understand everything that's come before. It's like reading a book, and if you flip over in the middle of the book and it's talking about these certain characters, you can't understand what's going on unless you read the beginning of the story. And so what is this story? Well, it's it's a big story. It's a big story about a divine rescue. See, the Bible tells the one true story of the world, that humans have rebelled against God. They have this thing called sin, a moral disease that causes us to reject God as our loving king. And what happens in response to human rebellion is God makes a plan that there will be this offspring, and this offspring from a woman will come to crush evil and rescue God's people from sin. And so there's this promised offspring that you carry through the whole Old Testament. And how is it carried through? Well, it starts with a man named Abraham. A man named Abraham, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, through your offspring, I will bless the whole world. I will put things right through your offspring. But then you keep reading the whole Old Testament story, and after Abraham comes some of his sons, and they're, they're corrupt. They're not perfect, so you're wondering, well, who is this offspring? Well, it keeps going on and on, kind of like a snowball that's moving down a mountain, it's getting bigger and bigger. Then he goes to a man named David, and God comes to a man named David and says, David, I promise through you, one of your offspring will come and establish this eternal kingdom. And David, this eternal kingdom will bring justice and rescue to God's people. And so you wonder, right, oh, maybe it's David's son. Well, it's not David's son, because he fails to pursue the Lord in integrity. And it's not that son's son or that son's son, because king after king is as corrupt and broken as humans are. And there goes all this point to this point of exile. God's people are deported to Babylon. And in exile, something very important happens. God speaks to his people and he says, there will be a coming king from the line of David who will bring justice and rescue to God's people. And guess what? Act 4, Christ the promised one comes, the anointed king comes to rescue God's people. What am I getting at telling you all of this? Well, it's like this. You see, Joseph is like an actor. You see, Joseph is acting. He has this initial, these initial directions based on this kind of rough draft manuscript of a play. And he's trying to perform his role, but he's, he's choosing a direction that's actually contrary to the new script. See, God is the director, and God hands Joseph this new script, this new plan, this better script, the full story. God pulls back the curtain in Joseph's life and shows what's happening. And here's what's happening. Verse, 20, verse 19 and 21, if you look down again, right, the angel reveals that there's this promised offspring of a woman who's coming, and you're going to name him what? Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? 
means God will rescue his people from their sins. See, according to the Old Testament, the plan of rescue, the coming king, must come from David's line. And who is in David's line? Look down at verse 20. Joseph, son of David, is from David's line. So David has a responsibility not only to take Mary as his wife, according to the angel, right? But the angel says what? Name the son. In the first century, if you name a son, do you know what you're doing? You're adopting that son. That son now is a part of your family. It's an act of adoption. So Joseph is part of the fulfillment of God's plan of rescue revealed in the Old Testament. And this is proven to us in verses 22 to 23. If you look down with me, it says this, all of these events, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God's, God, God is with us. This is a promise from Isaiah 7:14, a promise centuries before Joseph. And it's and even centuries before Joseph, right? We see God's plan. What is his plan? His plan is to be with his people to rescue them from their sin. So what, what am I getting at? This is what I'm getting at. Joseph had initial direction of his life. He made plans. We make plans, right? In the midst of making plans, an angel of the Lord comes and reveals God's bigger gospel plan. That through this coming child, this offspring of the woman... God will bring redemption, rescue from God's people, from their sin. And here's, here's the key part, right? Joseph has a role to play. In the midst of what God is doing in history to rescue people from sin, Joseph has a key role to play. And how does Joseph respond? How does he respond to receiving this new role, to receiving this new script? Well, it's an Oscar-winning performance, we might say. Look down at verse 24. This is scene three. Joseph's life heads in a new direction. If you look at verse 19, look at verse 19 real quick. What does it say? It says that Joseph has a plan, right? What's his plan? To divorce Mary, right? He resolves to divorce her quietly. Well, look at verse 24 now. What does Joseph do? He does as the angel of the Lord commanded. He takes his wife, doesn't divorce her. But more than that, he knows her not until they give birth to a son, and he calls his name Jesus. So he goes from this initial plan of divorce to now a plan of marriage and then adopting Jesus into the line of David. Initial direction and then a whole 180 turn into a new direction. So what happened to Joseph? What happened was something called divine revelation. God's word came to Joseph and exposed to him, showed to him this amazing, huge rescue plan that God is doing through Jesus. And when, Jesus, and when Joseph sees this huge plan of what God is doing to rescue the world from sin through Jesus, and that he has a role to play, you better believe that his initial direction is changed, and he heads an entirely new direction. And that is how this works. That's how our lives work. That is how the Christian life works. We have initial direction in our lives. We make plans for our lives. But God reveals to us a bigger and better plan, that what he is doing through Jesus to rescue people from sin, and you know what we are called to do in response to this good news that Jesus is our rescuer, we are called then to take a whole new direction, just as the Lord commanded Joseph, so we respond in a new direction, living a life, playing our role faithfully. Now here's the deal. Joseph adjusted his life, right? He went from his rough draft script 
his initial direction to a new direction based on this better script of God's gospel plan. But Joseph plays a unique role. Okay? Newsflash for you. You're not Joseph. Okay? And you will not marry a woman who is pregnant with God incarnate. And you do not have the responsibility of naming that son. Okay? Joseph is unique. He has a unique role. But the pattern is the same for God's people. Will we allow a understanding of God's rescue plan in Jesus to redirect our lives so that we live lives in light of what God is doing through Christ? Will we change direction in accordance with God's plan, his plan to rescue people from sin in Jesus? That is the question that this text is asking of us. So first for those of you, who are not following Jesus. This is how this text shapes you. It's very simple. You must turn from living a life of making plans for yourself. Because that's really what sin is. What Jesus has come to rescue you from is living a life in which you get to decide for yourself how you want to live, how you get to use your money however you want, how you get to use your sexuality however you want, how you get to interact with your neighbor or your core that life's about you. That is what the culture tells you. That is what sin is, is living life, making a plan that's all about you with you at the center. And Jesus has come through his life, through his death, through his resurrection to rescue you from that and to bring you into a bigger and better plan, a plan of what God is doing in history to rescue people. So you no longer have to suffocate yourself in your own selfishness and living a life for your own good and for your own glory. You can actually be a part of a bigger and better story that God is writing in history. That is the call of Jesus on you. If you are not a follower of Christ, the call is very simple. is give up your plans. They're not working anyways. Amen. And come follow Jesus. And come follow his, his plan. For those of us who are following Christ, how does Matthew 1, 18 to 25 shape us here at Parkview East? Well, the question is simple. Will we allow God's gospel plan to redirect our lives? Guys, God has a rescue plan in Jesus. What does this mean? Well, it means this. In light of the coming of Jesus, in light of not only his birth, but as we know, his ministry, his, his death on the cross, his resurrection, now that Jesus is reigning, right, as king over all creation, what are we going to do in light of this great gospel plan that God has? Well, think of your ordinary life. Think of your week. Think of your Sundays. Maybe... On Sundays, you're looking at your budget. And your plan, our plan, oftentimes for our money, is how can I use our money based on what's going to make me comfortable? But in light of what Doug just shared, what if, what if, in light of God's rescue plan of what God is doing here in Iowa City through Parkview Church to rescue people from sin and place them into his family, what if you started use, using and thinking and stewarding your money in light of that great gospel plan? What about your Mondays? Well, on Monday, you go to work. So usually our plan at work is this. We clock in, we work hard, we get frustrated at our coworkers, we complain about our boss, maybe waste some time on Facebook, we clock out, we head home. That's our plan. That's the initial direction, isn't it? Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of a bigger and better gospel plan. What does that mean? Well, it means this. What if you looked at your vocation? What if you looked at your everyday Monday through Friday, Friday job? in light of God's plan to rescue people from Jesus, what would that look like? Well, what if you saw your job as a signpost pointing towards God's coming kingdom of excellence and justice and beauty? 
What if you worked at your job as someone who's pointing to the fact that God in Christ is reigning and he's bringing a kingdom of excellence and beauty and you get to participate in that through your ordinary job? What if you saw your fellow co-workers as fellow image bearers of God and in need of the rescue that Jesus offers? What if at work on Mondays you stop working for your boss and thinking of him or her as someone just to simply complain about, but instead you think about working for the Lord Jesus Christ who sits on the throne and you work in a way that brings honor to Christ, your true boss. What about your Tuesdays? You come home on Tuesday, don't you? What's your plan? I know oftentimes my plan is dinner, Netflix, and then bed. That's our plan. But, but you are a father, and you are a husband. You're a mom. You are a spouse. You uh, have a roommate that you're living with. You come home after work on Tuesdays. What could it look like to have your initial plan of what is easiest Eat dinner, watch Netflix, go to bed. That's your initial plan. What if it's redirected in light of God's big plan? What if on Tuesday nights you see your marriage, you see your parenting, you see your roommate in light of the fact that Christ calls you to be someone of sacrificial love, someone who brings the love of Christ into your home? What if you're making Christmas plans on a Wednesday? What are our plans for Christmas? Well, plans for Christmas is to invite the people that we like into our home and celebrate with our family, with the people that make us feel good and comfortable. Well, what if, what if you saw your Christmas plans in light of God's rescue plan in Jesus? What if it means you invite your awkward cousin? What if it means you actually do invite your in-laws to the dinner table? What if it actually means that you invite your new neighbor into your home on Christmas because you realize that God has a big plan to rescue people from their sins. And through your act of neighbor love and hospitality, you are a signpost of King Jesus and his service to those who are weak and in need. What about your neighborhood on Thursdays? Our plans, right, is this. You park your car, you see your neighbor, quick wave hello and right into the door because you don't want to have that awkward interaction with your neighbors. But what if, what if your neighboring is in light of God's big rescue plan? Claire and I are right now trying to figure out what that looks like. So usually, when I get home in our neighborhood, uh, my plan is very simple. I park the car, go inside, I want to drink tea, I want to read some books, eat some dinner, maybe watch a Netflix show, right now we're going through West Wing, uh, and then go to bed, okay? But here's what's happening, okay? The Lord and his, and his wonderful, amazing, creative plan, a few doors down, a Sudanese family has moved in. And over time, uh, Claire and I have been getting to know them. And they've now come to us and they want to learn English. And they want us to talk with them in English on a weekly basis. You see, I have initial plans when I come home from work. And my plan is maybe, maybe say hi, but I want to go inside as fast as I can. I want comfort. I want safety. But friends, in first century, in Palestine, there was born Christ the Lord. And he is God's plan to rescue this world from sin. And he has rescued me from sin, he has rescued Claire from sin, and he has rescued you from your sin. And like Joseph, he is calling you to play your role faithfully. He has given you a new script. And so I don't know what the Lord's doing in us, I don't know what the Lord's going to do through us to these wonderful, amazing Sudanese neighbors, but I know for sure that God has a plan of rescue, and that rescue comes through Jesus Christ. And I don't know by building friendship with our neighbors 
who knows the Lord's going to open a door for us to declare the gospel to them. Friends, we have plans, don't we? We have plans, and they're oftentimes they're good plans. Joseph had plans, but you know what? Something bigger and better was revealed to him. A new script was given to him. It's about Christ coming to rescue people from sin. And his life took a new direction, friends. Our lives must take a new direction in light of the big rescue plan of God. So, what's your role? Are you going to play your role faithfully? Are you going to adjust your watch, so to speak, accordingly to this new time zone that we're in? This time zone of Christ coming, of him being king, of him rescuing us from sin, of him right now reigning over all creation. Friends, we, as God's people, here at East Campus, we can be a signpost of God's bigger and better story of him rescuing people from their sin through Jesus. So let's take that new direction. Pray with me. Father, we love you and praise you. We do ask that you would show us through your word this wonderful, great plan of rescue through Jesus. And then, in light of that, Lord, you're calling us to play our role faithfully, Lord. We are neighbors here. We are roommates. We are spouses. We are parents. We are co-workers, Lord. We have different roles to play. We're not going to be like Joseph. Joseph played his role faithfully because he saw the big story of God. Now, we are called, Lord, to play our roles faithfully in light of your big story of rescue through Jesus. So, would you, by your spirit right now, continue to shape us as we continue worship through song. Shape us in the type of people, Lord, that are willing to redirect our lives in light of your big plan. And especially this Christmas, Lord, help us see how you are at work, Lord, rescuing people from their sin in Jesus and how we can play a role in that, Lord. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, who is worthy of praise and glory and blessing and honor. Amen.